And for the rest of us, we're going to continue on to our next step in this journey called the faith path. The faith path, it's important for us to remember, does not tell you and me how we can have a relationship with Jesus. We went through that, covered that ground at the beginning of the year with the very first step, trusting in Jesus for salvation. Right? Because Jesus, the whole message of the Gospel is Jesus came down to us when we were at our least worthy. He came down to us when we were at our least deserving. He looked at our filth and saw what we could be. With His power and love, He sanctified us. And He did that by His grace. Right? His grace is what transformed our lives. The essence of grace is that, by its very nature, it is undeserved. There are no works that are associated with grace. Well, there are works, but there is no sense of earning. Earning God's favor, that is the whole point. And so that is the step that we started out with on this journey to the faith path. That is all that is needed to receive life that will never end, is looking to Him and not to ourselves. (coughs) And from that point forward, every other step that we have taken, from getting baptized telling, to telling our story, getting involved in community, learning about your spiritual gifts, understanding grace better, all of these steps. It's not a demand from God to earn His love and His favor. It's like from the moment that you trusted in Jesus, Peter tells us in his letter that you received everything needed for life and godliness. It's like God laid out for you from the moment you trusted Him a table full of presents, birthday presents. Now, when it's your birthday and you see all those table presents on the table, you're excited, right? Because those presents have already been given to you. They are yours. But until you actually unwrap them and open them and start to use them, even if they're yours, you won't benefit from them the same way. So this whole series of mini-series we've been going through is learning to unwrap and enjoy the gifts that God has already given to us. And this step we've been taking today is exactly the same. This step of practicing grace with others. This is a gift that God is giving us so that we can enjoy His life Not something He demands of you and me so that we can earn His love. We understand the difference? Can I see a couple head nods around here? Yeah? Alright. A couple weeks ago when we opened, started opening this present of God of practicing grace with others, we talked about the grace, practicing the grace of a proactive love. How God invites us to build a community of vibrant relationships based on the love of Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about what I'm going to call a reactive love. A love, how love reacts 
when we've been wronged, when we've been hurt. Because if you don't know yet, if you're in a relationship, you're going to be hurt, right? Every single, and I'm not just talking about if you're in a bunch of relationships, you'll be hurt in one of them. If you let anyone get close enough to you, at some point, you will be hurt. Now, we know this on one level, right? We can say, yeah, that kind of makes sense, and and that goes with my experience. But how surprised are we when that happens in the church? Isn't it interesting how when we come to the church and we get hurt, we somehow look in surprise with deer in the headlights and we say, I didn't expect that this would happen from this person, right? We act surprised, taken aback. But here is the thing. God invites us to do what we were called to do from the moment He made humanity. He created us in His image to display Him. And our God is a God of grace, and He invites us not just to know His grace for us, but to practice displaying that grace to others. And there is no better place to do that than in the body of Christ with your brothers and sisters. Because the body of Christ is not a magical place full of people who will never hurt you. The body of Christ, the reason it is a perfect place to practice grace is because it is full of people who are broken just like you and just like me. But at the same time, we also, all of our brothers and sisters, have this grounding, foundational Belief, confidence in God's grace for us. Am I right? Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Ah, amen. Today we're going to explore this subject that is difficult. It's difficult for many. It's difficult for me. I won't be able to speak out of a sense of, I have this down today. When I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be speaking of, I've searched through the scripture and I've, I've studied this and this is what I understand, but I'm not speaking out of the authority of one who has this down pat, but one who is trying to learn this, as all of us are. We're going to explore what forgiveness is, why forgiveness is necessary, and how to forgive. Before we go any further, let's pray. Jesus, you are a God of grace and of love. You have given us forgiveness. Help us to understand your grace and show it to others for their sakes and for ours. Jesus, we love you. Amen. What is forgiveness? I think for us, For many of us, when we think about forgiveness, part of the reason why we think it's so hard is because we may be using the same word but meaning different things. We may have different understandings of what forgiveness means. And when you hear me say we're going to talk about the importance of forgiveness, we may say I don't want to, partly because we're speaking past each other using different definitions for the same word. So in order to understand what forgiveness is, let's start out by understanding what forgiveness is not. What I do not mean and what I do not believe the Bible means when we come to forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It does not mean that I say, oh, it didn't happen. 
It doesn't mean denying the pain or stuffing it down, saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It didn't hurt that bad. Because sometimes when people wrong us, it, it does happen. And it does hurt. And forgiveness does not mean ignoring that. Because guess what? When you try to ignore the pain, when you try to stuff it down, what happens to our lives? It starts to affect your interactions, first with that person, and then it bleeds out into the rest of your life, doesn't it? Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness also does not mean no consequences. Let's say, I'm going to pick on Adam. I love you, Adam. You're great. We share a name, so I'm going to do that. Let's say Adam uh, punches me in the eye, and I forgive him. Does that take away the black eye that I have because I forgave him? Does that magically disappear? No. There is a consequence for that, in that I, that I have to face, that I have to bear. The black eye, right? Now, what happens if I respond to Adam hitting me by stealing his car, Grand Theft Auto? Adam might forgive me, but I'm probably still going to have to face a punishment legally, aren't I? Fines and jail time. Forgiveness does not always mean no consequences. We need to understand that. When David had his incident with Bathsheba, and then went out and allowed his, her husband to be killed so he could marry her and avoid the controversy. God forgave him, didn't he? But there were still short-term and long-term consequences. Read through that story and you'll see it. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean no consequences whatsoever. Forgiveness also is not a bargaining chip. Now this is something that we sometimes think. We'll say, I will forgive you if, if, you admit to what you've done. If you repent and you stop doing it, I will forgive you. If you turn your life around and do enough good things to make up for it, then, then I will forgive you. But until then, I'm not going to. Right? We can think of that as forgiveness. When that feels right to us, that feels just, that feels fair. But here's the thing. God didn't do that for you, did He? God didn't wait until you turned your life around to earn His forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of mercy. It is an act of grace. Not an act of justice. It is for, from God to us, and it is that way from us to one another. Now here's another thing that forgiveness is not. It is also not trust. Forgiveness, if I forgive you, it does not mean I trust you. What is trust? It means that I can feel, I can expose part of my life. I can make myself vulnerable to you and know that I am safe, that you will protect me, you will guard me. Forgiveness, if I forgive you, does not mean that I trust you again. Trust indeed takes a long time to build, but a very short time to break down. Forgiveness and trust are not the same. Forgiveness is also finally not reconciliation. When brokenness comes into a relationship, reconciliation is a rebuilding of a broken relationship to a healthy relationship. Maybe not the same point that it had been before. It may never look quite the same again, but it is a rebuilding of the relationship. Forgiveness is not the full process. It is the first step toward potential reconciliation. And even when... Reconciliation is not possible or not wise. Forgiveness is. So these are things that forgiveness is not. What is forgiveness? Here's what I think. 
And I think the Bible tells us as well as we search through it. Forgiveness is an act of grace. Giving up the right to demand justice for yourself, selfishly, and freeing you to pursue their best out of a wise and discerning love. Remember, it doesn't mean no consequences whatsoever, but it says when I forgive you, I refuse to say, for the sake of my just feeling satisfied, I want you to be hurt in return. And it allows you to pursue their best out of a wise and discerning love. Now, does their best mean letting them get away with continuing in sin? Is that loving? Absolutely not. If someone is hurting you and wronging you, forgiveness does not mean sweeping it under the rug. That would be forgetting, right? But it does mean that when you think about them, when you speak to them, when you act, the way you act toward them, you are thinking, how can I draw you closer to Jesus? Right? For their best. That's hard, isn't it? You might look at this and say, I don't, I'm sorry, Adam. If this is what forgiveness is, I don't think that I want to. And I don't think it's necessarily very important even for me to work on this. But but here's the thing. Forgiveness is told to be important for us. There's actually hundreds of verses throughout the Bible to say this. I want to hone in on just one. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 15 tells us to pursue peace with everyone and holiness, for without it, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of God's grace, that no one be like a bitter root springing up and causing trouble, and through him many become defiled. See that word in there? That see to it that no one be like a, what kind of a root? A, a bitter root. What is bitterness? What is, what is so wrong with bitterness that we need to specifically try to avoid that? Bitterness is what happens when you get hurt by someone. There's an incident that happens and it hurts you. And the hurt is real. The pain is real. But you take that hurt and you hold on to it and you don't let it go and it starts to bury itself deep into your soul until it begins to permeate and redefine how you perceive, how you think about, and how you react to not just that person, but it begins to infect your entire life. You've seen bitter people, right? We know this. Every one of us has seen that and knows the effect bitterness has in lives. When God tells us to practice grace with others, including the grace of forgiveness, He is not doing this as a demand saying, I know you don't want to, I know it's bad for you, but do it anyways because I'm God and I'm big and I'm strong and I tell you to. No, He is doing that for us because bitterness is a spiritual disease for our souls. It hurts us. It imprisons us. It prolongs our mental and emotional pain. It can lead to long-lasting anxiety or depression. It can create or deepen an attitude of distrust and cynicism. And it can blind us from recognizing if we have actually had some responsibility in the broken relationship. By the way, 
What I sometimes do for our kids when they argue with each other and they both get mad at each other or fighting, if they sometimes, if I talk to one kid, they will say, why are you talking to me? The other kid's also at fault. And then I'll talk to the other kid. They'll say, why are you talking to me? So what I'll sometimes do is I'll take two glasses and I'll fill them with water. And I'll say, fill one a little bit more and one a little bit less. And I'll hand them to each other and say, this is your fault. And I'll say, it's more your fault, but it's still your fault. So, so sometimes it's not even our fault. Right? Sometimes it's, it's not. There are some pains that are not. But when we hold on to bitterness, we can forget and ignore if it is. Make sense? Are we, are we tracking? I'm trying to find that balance here. Can I see any head nods? From, okay. Thank you, guys. Whew. Good. That list, by the way, it's not just from me. I looked up online for what happens as a result of, in our lives of unforgiveness and bitterness. All right? These are like psychologists and, and social scientists looking and trying to figure that out. This is what they say happens in our lives. Bitterness is a disease for our soul and it permeates our life. But not only that, bitterness can be a contagious disease that can spread to those around you, especially if it is bitterness for someone else within the church. Right? Left unchecked, bitterness, especially within the body of Christ, will without a doubt, work to tear apart a church. So we pursue peace with others, right? And holiness. For without it, no one will see the Lord. And we see to it that no one comes short of God's grace. That is our response. Our response, hard as it is, is forgiveness. Is this beyond us? Yes, absolutely. Forgiveness is 100% beyond your and my ability to do. Apart from understanding the grace of Jesus for us. With him, when we, the more we understand his grace for us, the more it is possible for us to do. All right? So, what does forgiveness look like? There's some steps that are involved that I'm going to be discussing. And as I discuss this, I want you to think, I want you to try to hold in your head someone that you are having trouble for forgiving. I don't want you to think about the hardest person first. It's like if you have debt and you say, well, I'm going to tackle my mortgage before I tackle my, my $1,000 other debt of some sort, right? You start with the smaller ones so that you can see the success and begin to snowball into a larger success and more difficult problems. But you don't start with your most difficult one first. So I want you guys to get in your mind someone that you are struggling to forgive for a smaller thing. All right? I want you to think about these steps. Step number one is acknowledge the hurt. What exactly was the incident that caused the breakdown in your relationship? You might be able to come up with a laundry list. Some of us are really good at making big lists and say, oh, I can, I don't ask for one thing, I'll give you 20. But usually there is one or perhaps two major things that really started it, that really are the biggest hurdles for you to overcome for forgiveness. You need to not dump it or stuff it. 
Because when we dump it and we ignore it, how are we going to be able to forgive someone for something that we're ignoring? You need to be able to name the source of the hurt. Okay? Step number two is to reassess the person and the event. Reassess the person and the event. First of all, reassess the person. This is an incredibly important step for you and for me. Because it is easy for us to take a person that we're having trouble forgiving and vilify them and forget that this too is someone for whom Jesus died. Right? It is easy for us to forget that. When we remember how much He loves us, when we remember the depth of His grace for us, we can remember the depth of His grace for Adam punching me in the eye. Thanks a lot, Adam. It didn't happen, but now I'm going to pound on that for you. <laughs> and guess what? When Jesus carried on the, what Jesus carried on the cross was not just the punishment for the sin, He carried the weight of the brokenness. Which means... He says, when we trust in Him, He's not just telling us, you have to carry the weight of that brokenness, that burden, that pain, yourself. He says, I'm right there with you. I got hurt by that too. And I will carry that with you. And I will carry you through it. Reassess the person and reassess the event. Which means, don't necessarily trust in your first impression. Your first impression may be right, but you may need to bring someone else along, someone who is not as thoroughly invested in that event, and they might be able to say, you know what, Adam, I know that when Adam punched you in the eye, that really felt bad, but but were you, didn't you like make, uh, tell Adam that his car looked dumb? Or, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so when you can reassess the event, ask someone. Say, come alongside me, and and just ask some questions to say. You say, I, I give you permission to try to give me a different perspective on this, so that I can understand a little bit better. Because there might be a perspective that I have lost, and it may turn out your first impression is absolutely right. Okay? This is for us to understand better when that is not the case. Alright? This is not an easy process. This is not a simple process. And there is no one size fits all. So I'm trying to find all the ways to balance out what I'm saying. To not feel like I'm pushing on any one direction any too, uh, too strongly. First step one is to acknowledge the hurt. Step two, reassess the person and the event. Step three is to choose forgiveness. Now you will probably, the greater the hurt, the more the need, you will need someone to come alongside you and support and grieve with you. It's easier if it's someone that doesn't know the other person as well. But choosing to forgive means choosing to not interact with them like they owe you pain to relieve you for the pain that you have felt. Right? There's, they may need consequences 
but it doesn't have to be retribution or vengeance. You are, let me tell you something. Let me promise you something. You are never going to want to forgive. You will never want to. Not only that, you're going to have to forgive not just one time. You're going to have to choose the forgiveness again and again. How do we remember that? Whose strength do we rely on? Question to the audience. Whose strength? His strength. God's strength. God's grace for us to carry us through. So those are the first three steps. Acknowledge the hurt. Reassess the person and the event so that you know that you have a more objective view. And then choose forgiveness. And then step four is express forgiveness in ministry. Now this is where wisdom really comes into play. Because what it's going to look like is going to be very different in different situations. There's some things that you can do for everyone. There's some things that you can only do sometimes. But here's one thing that you can do. Pray for them. Pray for the person that you are forgiving. Ask them, God, you love them. And I am struggling to love them. But will you show them your love? And will you draw them closer to yourself? Will you show yourself, help them to respond to your grace, change their lives, and then bless them? It's really hard not to forgive someone that you're praying for. Here's something else you can do. Speak carefully about them. Try not to bring up the pain with others for the purpose of putting them down. Right? Now, this is where we say you do need sometimes one or two people that you can rely on, that you can come to and say, I need, I, it hurts, and I need to share. And you do need to. You do absolutely need to. But that doesn't mean that we share with everyone for the sake of making other people think less of them. Right? Let your words to and about them be an attempt to draw them closer to an understanding of Jesus' love for them. Another way you can express ministry might be to tell them that you forgive them. You could try to do it in person. Sometimes it's easier to do it in writing. If you want to tell them that you forgive them, here's some steps to making sure that you're doing it well. Tell them what they did. They need to know. Tell them how it's affected you. Tell them that you've forgiven them and what it does and does not mean. And then tell them why you forgive them. Not just it doesn't matter. Tell them Jesus loves me and he loves you. You might want to do something to bless them if wisdom allows. You might want to, and then if possible and wise... Move toward beginning to restore the relationship. Now, here's an important thing. Almost all the other steps could possibly be done, even if someone refuses to admit what they've done or turn from the wrong. This step really can only be done if the person who has wronged you is willing to say, I did wrong, it was wrong, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to try to regain your trust. Reconciliation only starts in this way. And sometimes reconciliation may mean that you never are able, even then, to re return to a relationship the way that it had been before the wrong. 
But, even if it doesn't, you can still say, thinking, being able to think about you without thinking about the hurt can be the goal. And finally, your anger has already hurt you. I don't know, there may be some people who are struggling with bitterness. And it may be that when we don't forgive, we're, our pain is hurting us more than it's hurting them. And Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It says, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, for some of us, this is going to be easy. Er. <laughs> for some of us, this is really hard. This is why I'm asking you to think about someone that has one of the easier things to forgive, to start, because we need to start small. We take baby steps before we run a marathon. But when we do this, we better understand Jesus' love for us. The story of Jesus' love for you and for me is entirely one of grace. We wronged him. And there was nothing we could do to make up for it. And God could have made us pay for it. Romans 12:19. God says, Leave vengeance for me because vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And how did God choose to bring vengeance for the wrongs we did against him? Next slide. Next slide. And again, I think we're getting to the verses. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took your brokenness and mine on himself. As John the Baptist points out in the Gospel of John, he looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That means every single wrong you have done and every single wrong that has been done to you. Jesus carried it on himself for you. You don't walk through this alone. His grace is the perfect basis for the forgiveness that we have received for every wrong we have done. And His grace is the best possible motivation for our forgiveness for the wrongs done to us. So who is that one person that you are struggling to forgive? That one person that you have picked out? I'd like you to think about that as we go into our time of communion. Because when we take communion, we remember the price He paid. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed, poured out for us. For us and for them. As we take communion, I want you to remember His love for you and His love for that person. And I want you to ask Jesus to help you to love that person with forgiveness. Let's pray. And then we'll pass out the elements.
Jesus, we thank you for your grace, for your love, and your forgiveness. Not only for us, but for the whole world. We each have a hurt we've carried for far too long. It hurts us. It hurts our relationship with others, our perspective, our life, and our the way we think of you. Jesus, we choose to, today to hold it before you. We have no strength in ourselves to forgive, but we rely on your grace working in us to extend this grace of forgiveness to them. Help us to know what next step to take toward forgiveness. Not because we have to, but so we can experience the freedom and the joy that you want us to have. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.